Opening Arguments is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. What's the first thing I want to do after we have a different president? Take a shower. Impeachment is about cleansing the office. Now, mind you, the heretofore document had had dry ink on it for at least many fork nights uh, here to... We yeah. signed it a long time ago. It was a long time ago signed. I thought you said the law was powerless. Powerless to help you, not punish you. Welcome to Opening Arguments, the podcast that pairs an inquisitive interviewer with a real-life lawyer. This podcast is sponsored by the Law Offices of P. Andrew Torres, LLC, for entertainment purposes, is not intended as legal advice, and does not form an attorney-client relationship. Don't take legal advice from a podcast. Hello and welcome to Opening Arguments. This is episode 335. I'm Thomas Smith. That over there is Andrew Torres. How you doing, Andrew? I am fantastic, Thomas. How are you? Well, it's act three of the Democratic Clown Show. <laughs> Impeachment. Pres- oh, sorry. I was just doing Devin Nunes. Welcome to the, uh, well, it's the made-for-TV ripoff of the Russia ruse, everybody. Yeah, I got a lot of, I actually watched that, um, all of it, all of the testimony, and I'm testimonied out. I can't do it anymore, but uh, <laughs> that, was, that was the impression I got is just, we get to see like a guy's wearing a white shirt and the Democrats are like, well, this person's clearing, clearly wearing a white shirt and the Republicans, no, well, hold on, hold on. Who told you that? And when did they, did you go to the chain of command to tell you about the white? And the, it's, it's. There's only so much arguing and obfuscating about a fact pattern that's plain as day that I can take, and I think I'm at my limit. So that's that's me. How are you doing? I'm still doing fantastic. <laughs> I am. I am. I I can never get enough of uh, hot lawyer on witness action. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's it's. I was. I was and remain. Uh, you know, intellectually excited. Um, and uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna break but down even it, testimony. <laughs> but I'm gonna push you on that. Even an hour six of cross examination that does nothing that we already know the fact we already know the facts. We knew the facts weeks ago, and we still have to go through with it. But uh, okay, well we're gonna talk about. Well, I'm gonna talk about I'm some excited. of the new things that we've learned. Hey, so we've got there, some stuff to go. uh, to promote in this uh, Act Two of the impeachment clown show, um, and that is for one, we've got the Q and A coming up. Uh, now that Andrew is an American citizen again, uh, we're going to do the Q&A on the 30th. So that's in a little over a week. We're giving you plenty of notice this time. Uh, the 30th, that's a Saturday. 
and we're doing it at 2 Eastern, 11 a.m. So maybe uh, Pacific time. So maybe like uh, um, Mimosa or something, you know, like for the Pacific Coast people. Oh, yeah, yeah, East, yeah. East Coast people, uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you drink at 2? Are you already into the scotch <laughs> at that point? I do, the, the same thing I would be drinking at 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, whichever, uh, pick your poison. And uh, I'm I'm excited for that. And uh, why don't you talk about Vulgarity for Charity? Yeah. So, Thomas, you and I, by the, I think a day or two after this episode drops, uh, we will be on Cognitive Dissonance reading uh, insults for Vulgarity for Charity. This is our annual drive we do along with the Cogdis folks, the Puzzle in a Thunderstorm crew. And, uh, and it's really, really straightforward. You head on over to modestneeds.org. Give them any amount. Um, and then sent, you'll get an email receipt. Like I posted mine to the OA uh, Facebook thread. Uh, and then you email that to vulgarity for charity. That's the word, not the number. Vulgarity for charity at gmail.com. And if it's over 50 bucks, you can request a roast. You could request a roast of, you know, Chief. Chief Justice Devin John Nunes. Roberts, uh, yeah. Devin Nunes, his cow, <laughs> me, right? You could do anything, any of that. You can request that Thomas and I deliver the road. It's all sorts of great stuff. Uh, but even if you can't, and we know we've got law students who are who are listening. Even if, um, even if you can't afford the fifty bucks, if you donate any amount of money, we have a uh, a donor, an anonymous donor, lined up who is matching the first hundred thousand uh, dollars of donations. So, uh, so please do make sure you send that receipt, even if it's five bucks. Send it over to uh, vulgarityforcharity at gmail dot com so that we can double it, right? And um, and no when, spoilers, when but yeah. my greatest accomplishment in my adult life was apparently this this bit we did on cognitive dissonance that y'all need to check out. I uh, I made. Eli laughed to an extent that I didn't know was possible. And then I, then I just, uh, uh, Georged. I just Costanza. I was like, I'm going to retire. <laughs> I'm out of here. What's the point in, in keeping on? So, uh, go check that out. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, it, if you've never heard Eli genuinely laugh before and you haven't, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. worth it. I'm sure Cecil cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It won't make yeah, the Cecil edit. will edit in like, you know, crickets. crickets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was, it was definitely, it was fun. All right. Well, let's talk about the, uh, uh, folding of our democracy. You know, I was just thinking just before recording, I was just kind of, you know, thinking over stuff and what we're going to talk about. And I was realizing, I don't know if this has ever been true in our history. Maybe it has, maybe I'm just, it's the recency bias or whatever that is, but I, it, I, it could either be right now that our president is totally done, going to be out of office, not even going to finish his term, or we have him for another four years. And I genuinely have no idea which like we're, it could be, he's gone, you know, tomorrow, or he's going to win easily uh, because of the electoral college, he'll do another four years. And and it'll be like a successful presidency. And it's I could not tell you. I have no idea. No idea which of those outcomes. What do you think? Um, we're look, we're gonna break down all of the impeachment developments in the in the main segment, in the B segment. Um I it I'm I'm optimist prime, so But would you uh, agree with it's... me that it's weird that literally either of those two things is is like virtually fifty fifty right now? 
I wouldn't say virtually 50-50, but I would say that there is yeah, there's a another sheaf of yeah. there's a sheaf of probabilities, right? That and and a and a large number of probabilities. You know, I would probably say there's a one in five chance that that Trump is reelected. Like, and that's Whoa, a lot, geez. right? One in four, right? Like, it it's. I would say there's a, about a forty nine percent chance. Yeah. That, I'm not even joking. Like, I think it's probably around the forty eight, forty nine percent range. That's yeah. just me, though. I I think not, and and I think <laughs> a large part of that is because even if all of the right, because the 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 Trump reelected thesis is all of this has to fizzle out, which. Uh, again right like i was certainly wrong on the Mueller report so you know there there's some there's some precedent there you, you have to assign that a non-zero probability uh and then he's got to repeat the same like incredibly narrow circumstances uh that got him elected in 2016 uh, which would include reducing whoever the democratic nominee is uh in uh, popularity down to the levels that the public was prepared to accept for Hillary Clinton, um, which were historically high negatives. Right. So, yeah. you know, and then you have to have like 70,000 idiots who voted for Jill Stein not learn their lesson. Well, um, that that's gonna, that's 100 percent. I'm kind of pessimistic <laughs> about that. Right. Yeah, that's, like that that give, I'm trying to win them back given. one at a time, yeah. uh, shame them one at a time. Uh, so I think I've got at least five of them knocked off and, and hopefully yeah. we'll get, you know, the other 69,995 by, uh, by November of 2020. Um, so yeah, so look, those are real things. Uh, but, um, but, but, well, you know, they're, I, uh, thanks they're, they're for this, real uphill things. uh, another segment of Andrew makes us feel a little better. I appreciate it. I feel a little better now, but I was just noting how weird it is that like these two extreme pro- possibilities, I, I don't know, like it could be either one. It's such a. It's so unpredictable, uh, and like the and the chasm between them is is very very large. But let's get to our uh, first quick segment here. Was it another Andrew was slightly wrong about something? Ms. Vito, please answer the question: Does the defense's case hold water? No, Andrew is wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> slightly. All right. I yeah, out of respect for you, I think we should change this to Andrew was slightly wrong. It should be Andrew A W S W. That that because it's usually a pedantic thing. But I don't know. I I won't characterize it. What 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 do we have this week? Yeah, um I, I, we got terrific feedback from a European listener uh, and I'm sure I'm botching his name and all of the names in this email, so apologies in advance. Uh Uh, Wouter Vermeyen and Wouter writes, my wife is a Ukrainian citizen and I follow the Ukrainian presidential situation closely with and through her. I would like to raise the following points concerning Ukraine and Zelensky. And I I will interject because I went to research uh, the things that were in Wooten's letter. And um, as far as I can tell, he's right. Um, and, and there's some amazing stuff that I didn't know. It's not that, a glucose uh, situation again? This no, is, this yeah, is this is not Andrews. a fructose. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he begins, In OA 328, you state that Zelensky won every Ukrainian region in the presidential election. This is not correct. He did not get a majority in the Lviv Oblast, the most ethnically and culturally Ukrainian region. 
Um, So cutting in, uh, I took that from Ambassador Taylor's testimony. uh, But no, Wooter is correct um, of all of the oblasts. And oblast just means province. So they're they're like our states, right? Of all of the oblasts, uh, Lviv was the only one that voted for the incumbent Poroshenko and not uh, Zelensky. So um, so he's right. And uh, Ambassador Taylor, Bill Taylor, I was going to say this is uh, Taylor was wrong. It was a Taylor was wrong. Under oath. Uh, Wooter continues. He says, also, no voting was held in the de facto occupied areas of Donetsk and Luhansk, ethnically the most Russian areas. Mm. This is a minor point, as the statement that Zelensky swept the election is very much true. So I, okay. I, I appreciate I appreciate that endorsement there. Next, he says, President Zelensky has a number of similarities to Trump. He was a comedian and actor before he went into politics. He starred in a comedy show called Servant of the People. The show features a history teacher, played by Zelensky, who becomes president of Ukraine after his anti-corruption rant goes viral and he becomes unexpectedly elected president the next day. Um, and holy clown horn, that is 100 percent true. Wait, you didn't know that? Um, oh, I th- sorry. I didn't Everybody know. I didn't know. That. You knew that? Yeah. I, I Wow. OK, well, I sure didn't know that. Um uh, there's yeah. so much, he was a comedian. There's foot. I mean, I guess you don't watch your John Oliver as much as I do, but yeah, that's, he, he, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. Cause he played a president on TV and then the country was like, okay, that looks like a president. And then they made him president, which is not, I think like a good habit to get into because, you know, it kind of went a little differently for the guy that we thought looked like a businessman or looked like a rich, you know? Uh, but, uh, he seems, I don't know. He seems like a genuinely cool guy. So I don't know if maybe over, maybe it was a good option for Ukraine. I don't know, but there's footage of him doing a skit where he plays a piano with his penis. So he's a comedian. (laughs) He's an an actor. There's, there's some interesting footage of him over the years. Uh, All right. Well, I, I learned something. Um, and then Wooter continues. He says uh, the the Zelensky campaign was also quite similar to Trump's in that uh, he campaigned on bringing unity, fixing corruption, raising Ukrainian living standards, but very light on the details of how he would go about this. Mm. And and I want to point out, Wooter emailed us this, and then literally a couple of hours later, when Ambassador Sondland was testifying, uh, he testified. And it, it just gave context to Sondland's remarks that. Um, it, it, among the diplomatic corps, there was this sense that uh, that Trump and Zelensky would get along, right? right. And, he, and 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 he testified, yeah. Well, I just thought if we could sit them down in the room together, that you know they would get on famously, and that you know that they would like each other, and and that I I think kind of gave some some context to that to that testimony. Wooter continues. He says, also in Ukraine, um, there is unfortunately no getting away from the oligarchs. Zelensky was backed by Ihor. Kolomoyoski, and I, I'm I'm sorry, Ugh, <laughs> one of the mature. richest men in Ukraine and holding a controlling interest in the biggest TV group, uh, oh. which is Channel One Plus One. Um, he was also a longtime opponent of Poroshenko, uh, who himself was an oligarch. Right. So, um, so, but at least they've gotten to the point says, where the oligarchs are backing the president rather than just being the president, right? That- <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So he says, look, so his independence from the existing structure of power and money is a little bit suspect. But 
uh, Wooter adds that there there is no evidence that he knows of that Kolomiski um, is aligned with Russia. So you know that's that's a plus. Yeah. Right? Like we're getting a better class of oligarch backing the president. Um, and then uh, and then he points out that um, uh, Zelensky hasn't really done a whole lot since assuming office. He has dissolved the Ukrainian parliament. Uh, and then sort of forced in new elections, which you could view as kicking the corrupt folks out, but you could also view as strengthening his hold over the government, right? And 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 Wooter points out that his wife, right, a Ukrainian citizen living abroad, was not able to register to vote in the election huh. because of the because of how quickly the election was sort of rushed through. Um, so you know that that's. Part of reform, you know, is uh, here going hand in hand with consolidating power. Um, And so I I thought all of that was kind of good in, you know, in not wanting to see the world in really black and white terms. And uh, and Taylor's testimony, I mean, you know, Taylor was was very strongly pro Zelensky. Again, I, I, I think on balance, I come out pretty solidly pro Zelensky. Very, very good to, you know, to get kind of the, the complete picture. And then and then he adds on on this note, which I think is is important. And this was something that I meant to add after Taylor's testimony. Uh, Wooter says during Soviet control of Ukraine, a concerted effort was made to eradicate the Ukrainian language as a mean to clamp as a means of clamping down on Ukrainian nationalism. Jeez. So the dictionaries and teaching of Ukrainian uh, were changed to move Ukrainian closer to Russian. Russia, w- Russian was promoted as the language of administration and higher learning. Um, and it, it even resulted in a mixed language called Surzyk, S-U-R-Z-H-Y-K. Uh, I went and actually read the Wikipedia article on that. Um, it was pretty fascinating, but I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't get into it. Um, Wooter explains the implication. He says, uh, the Ukrainian language, therefore, has become an important part of the way Ukrainians express themselves as separate from Russian and Russian influence. Um, so he reiterates the ask that, that we saw in Taylor's testimony um, not to pronounce the city Kiev, which is the Russian word for it, but Kiev, yeah, uh, K-Y-I-V. Um, as the uh, it, it has become a cultural battleground for Ukrainians to get international recognition for their own capital in their own language, which um, I, I fully support, support that. Yep. The only thing that sucks about it is Kiev sounds so dumb. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> there it is. You go. Maybe it's because we we're support all... you, Ukraine. Yeah, but no, I support it. Is it because we all learned it as Kiev, and so now it's like Kiev? It sounds like yeah. someone's like mispronouncing it. But fully support it. From now on, it's Kiev. Official OA policy. There you go. Kiev and um, Ukraine, not the Ukraine. That's our articles of, I don't know, what is, we, be it resolved. Exactly. So um, anyway, I thought that was really, really insightful stuff from Wooter. So uh, I love I love our listeners. I love how diverse our base is. And I uh, I wanted to share. And uh, one thing that I I think I, I said a few weeks ago when we first learned about the, this call or how, gosh, when the world was that, months ago? I don't even know. But I think this is more evidence that Trump just genuinely believes these batshit theories. Like, this isn't an act. You know, I, th- I think I said when the when the call became public, he, he, he was mentioning all this stupid, like the server, he thinks there's a physical computer server that they had to, like, smuggle into Ukraine to hide because that's how servers work. But uh, you, you mentioned that everybody thought Trump and Zelensky would get along, and... 
they should have, except that Trump believed all these insane theories about Ukraine, and he thought that they like intervene, you know, interfered in our election and tried to get Hillary elected and did all this stuff with no evidence. And it just goes to show that he actually believes these theories. Uh, it's not an act, I don't think. It seems like he yeah, genuinely. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think that's exactly right. Um, and, and I mean, we saw. There's otherwise. There is no reason to bring up crowd strike yeah. in that July 25th call. Um, and and again, you you can only imagine like a foreign leader. Like th- this is on a par. I mean. You don't need to make an analogy, right? Like this is the literal equivalent of you know bringing up the basement in Comet Ping Pong, right? Yeah. Like it is, it is an a, a, it is an internet rumor from the stupidest corners of the internet, backed by zero evidence um, and contradicted by all the available evidence. And the president of the United States believes it, and again, um, also just so happens to be aligned with the uh, Russian talking points on on this issue. So, yep, um, it's, so it's direct bad. from from Russia. Opening arguments is brought to you by Policy Genius, folks. Tis the season to. Elect benefits through your workplace. Bet you didn't think that's where I was going with that, but yes, it is. Most people know open enrollment as decision time for healthcare coverage, but it's also the perfect time to reassess your life insurance needs. To properly provide for your families, most people need 10 times the amount of life insurance coverage that they currently get through their jobs, which means that your employer life insurance is leaving you underinsured, and that's where Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius is an easy way to shop for a life insurance plan that's not tied to your job. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. The life insurance you buy through Policy Genius stays with you even if you leave your job. And Policy Genius doesn't just make it easy to get life insurance, they can also help you find the right home and auto insurance and disability insurance, too. So, when you're looking, At your workplace benefits this month, make sure to double-check your life insurance options. Then go to policygenius.com to get quotes and apply in minutes. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. So let's get into it. Uh, Thanks for that listener feedback. That's awesome to learn some more context there. And uh, how about we get to our main segment on the impeachment, the hours of impeachment testimony, (laughs) cross-examination, Etc. that I'm sure uh, Andrew just just loved. I did. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. So you're not aware of any context look, during look, the course look. of the election? How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just Russia, say Russia, to a large extent, it's corrupt and it's fake. Ask the president of Finland a question, please. All right. I hope this is I hope this is yodel territory. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, come on, it's impeachment. It has to be yodeling. Uh so I'm sure you just heard lots of yodeling. So, what did you want to talk about with regarding this, all this testimony? I mean, we got how many witnesses by now? Six, seven, eight? Yeah, we've had we've had yeah, we've had six this week. Um we uh, we will not be able to talk about any of Thursday's witnesses. Uh, Fiona Hill testified right. in the morning. I was tracking some of it, but also mostly prepping for the show. So, um, spoiler: uh, there was a quid that. pro quo, and it was yeah. basic well, facts that we already knew years ago. So, here's I, I want to talk about why I I think it was significant, even though yes, if you are 
enmeshed in these issues. If you're an OA listener, you didn't hear anything new from Ambassador Sondland's testimony um, from from a from a top line conclusion perspective. But I think we learned a lot about how the impeachment is going to take place from from Sondland. So. As always, we're going to begin this segment. I'm going to do this every single time, and I, I think it's the right approach, by talking about the criminal statute that is at issue here. It's 18 U.S.C. Section 201B2. This is the criminal bribery statute. It has three elements, right? Those three elements are you must corruptly seek anything of value in return for being influenced in the performance of any official act, right? So, number one, you must have corrupt intent. Number two, you must seek a thing of value. Number three, and in return, you must be influenced in the performance of any official act. Items two and three are what is colloquially colloquially referred to as a quid pro quo. Um, so the very weird Devin Nunez, Devin Nunez word salad of... They shifted from bribery to quid pro quo is one of the stupidest things you can say. And I say that from somebody who is suing and losing to an imaginary Internet cow. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, yeah, so and let's not give, uh, you know, short shrift to uh, Jim Jordan, who also I, I think he's pretty heavy on that theory as well. Oh, they're looking they're just throwing anything at the wall. Bribery. What next? Murder. Will they switch to murder? Like, come on. All right. Yeah. Um, so. Quid pro quo summarizes elements two and three. And as we told you last week, and as I'm going to emphasize this week, um, the evidence is so strong on the quid pro quo that eventually um, we're, we're going to continue to talk about what the arguments are on the other side. But <laughs> every other argument that is not the president didn't have corrupt intent is just an idiot argument right? is the kind of argument that Uncle Clarence, we can point you to the law and say, take a look at it. That's not relevant. What right? about the so, argument of why are you wearing your military uniform? Is yeah, that a good? I, therefore, yeah, you know, look, total exoneration. Well, let's 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 do a sidebar on that. Um, to be honest, I was much less surprised by that than. um than I think a lot of folks. So you just just to summarize for the listeners, in, in case they didn't watch it, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman yeah. uh, showed up in his dress uniform, uh, and then uh, Devin Nunes uh, called him, you know, like, uh, "Hey, Buster," and, uh, and Lieutenant Colonel Vinman was like, um, "I, I would." Well, that part I didn't really care. But he said, as, "Mr. Vinman, as Colonel Vinman, yeah. if you don't mind." But right? like they all do uh, that. I thought that was one of those kind of BSE viral things. I'm like, all right, whatever. That's not a big deal to me. They, they, I think a lot of people have been making that mistake either way. Like they'll say their name yeah. instead of their thing. And it's, I, I thought that was yeah. not a big deal. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, it's I fine that, that he corrected and, him, but it's just not like a massive viral smackdown or something. Yes. No, I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree with that. Look, look, the, the reason to do that is because this witness's character is being impugned. Right. And so you stick him in military dress uniform and you say, hey, this is a guy who has taken a specific oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Um, that's why you stick him in the dress uniform. And then uh, he was cross-examined. You don't usually show up to work in your dress uniform. You usually show up to work in a suit, don't you, uh, uh, Colonel Vinman? 
And he said, yeah, but, you know, this seemed kind of important, so <laughs> I put on my dress uniform, yeah. right? Um, that's a pretty typical— It's, pic- it's picture day, so— uh... <laughs> Yeah, right. Look, um, that's a pretty typical kind of, of cross-examination impeachment that you would do for a witness in an ordinary trial, right? Like, I, I, I haven't had the occasion— to do so myself in any of the trials in which I have cross-examined witnesses. Um, but I could certainly see sort of, you know, wanting to leave in the juror's mind like, a, yeah, all right, you know, look, they, they brought this guy in and they put him in his dress, dress uniform. But like, you know, this guy usually just hangs out in a polo and khakis, right? Like it, 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 I, you mean it, he I doesn't think... wear his medals every day that he earns? Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah right. Um, I think, I think, we're probably in agreement that that I, I thought a lot of that was sort of inflated on both sides, right? Like I I didn't think it was any kind of great smackdown of Devin Nunes, although you know I I did chuckle at it, uh, and I didn't think it was ridiculous and inappropriate to try and and impeach him on that. And at the end of the day, you know it's it's not going to go anywhere. This is, this is just, you're starting to see what happens when, you know, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that I'm seeing a lot of standard legal direct and cross examination techniques. And then the, the public reaction to those techniques when they're like, you know, and and so it's sort of fun to watch this unfold in real time. Um, All right. Well, I, I, I'll try I, I, not to make any more jokes because they apparently trigger a deep dive at any moment from here. Yeah. <laughs> what did you want to <laughs> you talk know, about? I don't. I just was was no, trying it was to all about the, make it's mention. Good. Of I want to. I want to okay, talk about okay. So what I want to talk about is okay. We've so what does Sondland do in terms of advancing the impeachment investigation forward? Yes, we knew that. There was a quid pro quo already um, that we met elements two and three of the bribery statute. Um, But Sondland's testimony, I think, was was instructive both for who he was, who he is, and also for how he said it and, and how we're parsing exactly those elements going forward. And what we're seeing is the evolution of shaping the narrative over the specific Ukraine incidents in such a way as to respond, refute in the public eye the kind of arguments that Republicans are trying to throw at the wall in an attempt to exonerate the president. So let me explain specifically what I what I mean by that. Sondland testified that the quid pro quo was, quote, there will be no meeting with the president unless there was an announcement of an investigation into the Bidens. Oh, so he said um, specifically the meeting, not the aid. Exactly. Okay. Right. And so um, and so what that does is that that clarifies really two sides, you know, both both sides of the quid pro quo. Right. What was Zelensky offering right and and what Zelensky was was solicited to offer here right what 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 he was corruptly asked to do was to announce that Ukraine was opening an investigation into the Bidens and there was a really really great clarifying cross examination or, or clarifying direct examination question uh from uh from Goldman Dan Dan Goldman the uh the attorney for the intelligence committee uh who said Rudy Giuliani and President Trump didn't actually care 
if they, that is Ukraine, actually did them the investigations, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Sondland says, I never heard anyone say that the investigations yeah. had to start or be completed. The only thing I heard from Mr. Giuliani or otherwise was that they had to be announced. Um, that's a really brilliant way of kind of encapsulating the thing of value that was being sought. Well, right. and and not only the thing of value and the fact that it has nothing to do with quote unquote corruption or any meaningful reform. He just wants an announcement. And uh, I think I'm not sure if you're talking about uh, this particular moment, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Swalwell because he's yes. been really good in these. Uh, he, I think he had a question along those lines uh, and, and you know, other people. It's been, you know, 30 hours of testimony. So a lot of people have asked every question, but he had some along those lines. And he also pointed out some, uh, you know, some great stuff about how like, oh, I see he's refusing to meet Zelensky until we get these corruption for it's uh, pretty corrupt. Hey, uh, would you say Russia's pretty corrupt? Yes. Hmm, interesting that he's met with Putin several times. Uh, what, yeah. Would you say Turkey is corrupt? Yes. Oh, interesting that uh, he just met with uh, Erdogan just the other just today. Isn't that weird? And I was like, wow, this is great. You should run for president. Oh, wait, you already tried it. No, he shouldn't run for president. He should keep doing a good job in the uh, in the House. Yeah, I I, I agree with with all of that. Right. So the, the part of the reason for moving this narrative in that direction is that Republicans have been making the argument of asking the president of Turkey to investigate corruption is a perfectly valid exercise of presidential powers. Um, we have previously discussed no, it isn't. That's not how you do it. There's an operative treaty. Right? Like that. There's there, there are a million reasons why that statement is factually wrong, but also making it non-responsive, right? Saying, yeah, um, except that that's not what Trump did here. What he wanted was a public announcement that there would be an investigation into the Bidens, right? And it's super easy to explain. This also, it, it also navigates around the campaign finance issue that we've uh, talked about before, where, uh, again, Law is very clearly on the side that obtaining campaign oppo research against your opponent is a thing of value, right? We know that the law could not be more clear, uh, but sort of as with, you know, <laughs> as with so much that's come out of this administration, that there's been a kind of a, well, yeah, but it's not really a thing of value if it's true. Um, that's that's. That's ridiculous as a matter of law, but appeared to have some traction uh, as a as a lying argument on the other side um, by changing it to, hey, what you wanted was a public announcement that you were investigating my political opponent. It's instantly obvious why that's a thing of value. Why is it instantly obvious why that's a thing of value? Because that's what Trump got in 2016 from the media. Right. Yeah, from Every Comey. time the old. Yeah. The only time that Trump actually experienced a bump in the polls. Right. You can you can actually check the, the, the two times where Trump experienced a bump in the polls were after James Comey made public announcements about the investigations into Hillary Clinton. Right. Yeah. And so he's just trying to is, repeat that playbook. He knows that yeah. just the mere announcement of an investigation would probably do the trick. 
Absolutely it would. We saw that it that it does. And so it becomes impossible to dispute, right, the intent or anything or to say, well, you know, he didn't know that that was a thing of value. Donald Trump 100 percent knows that it's a thing of value to have the media report that your political opponent is the subject of an investigation. I'm shocked that we would have to demonstrate that, right? Because that seems like the kind of basic proposition that, you know, an eight-year-old would know. But, like, you know, we saw with the Mueller report that the Trump administration is happy to claim that they're all morons when it comes to lacking criminal intent. So what you saw, to to me, on, on on the legal end, you saw a refinement of... Uh, the the quid pro quo story that that will really just sharpen it uh, and and withstand kind of all of the um, attacks that are being made by the other side that you know at the end of the day I think Uncle Clarence is going to be with us that uh, okay yeah Donald Trump uh, withheld stuff of value from Ukraine right not just the aid right but the but the meeting with the president, refusing to uh, acknowledge him on the world stage. Uh, And he held that back so that the president of Ukraine would publicly do a thing that would unquestionably benefit Donald Trump in his reelection. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's so obvious. He should be out of office yesterday. I I mean, I I wish we lived in a just world. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And then So let me do 30 seconds on uh, just the reminder that, uh, again, by contrast to the Clinton impeachment, Gordon Sondland and I I thought uh, New York Representative Sean Patrick Maloney uh, really illustrated this well. Right. He's the Democrats witness. But this guy is a lifelong Republican who donated a million dollars to Trump's inaugural campaign. He's literally a Trump donor. Yeah, he is a Trump, a million dollar Trump donor, right? He's a core Betsy DeVos level donor. Um, And and you saw that, right? Like Maloney's questioning when when he said uh, he he basically got Sondland to admit that uh, that the investigations would politically benefit Donald Trump. And and Sondland, um, you know, kind of looked up and was like, hey, you know, your your colleagues are treating me nicer than this. And uh and, and Maloney delivered what I thought was the line of the day in which he said, sir, I, I appreciate your candor uh, in answering our questions here today, uh, but I'm very mindful of what it took to get that candor yeah. out of you, yeah. <laughs> which is true. Right. And 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 look, Sondland is going to be a very, very important witness. And um, I, I, I said this in a in a in a private message to you. He, you know, he's kind of in the Michael Cohen zone right now. Right. And and. I'm not sure that he's done, uh, that he has completed his his journey. And and here's what I mean by that. Um, Sondland struggled competently to answer questions about his role in the process. And it seems to me very obviously that here was somebody who was in way over his head, right? Yeah. He's a he's a businessman with no experience who bought the ambassadorship to the EU. Ukraine is not a member of the EU, right? And he thought it was going to be a cushy gig, uh, and he'd get to, you know, travel around the world and hang out in Paris. And all of a sudden, because he's a Trump loyalist, he's a part of this shadow diplomatic team running foreign policy in Ukraine. And 
I believe, right, I, I've represented clients like Sondland before, right? I, I believe that what happened was, right, he thought he had this great cushy gig, and then, you know, he's just sort of doing, he's, he's kind of doing what everyone around him is doing, and at some point in the process, the light bulb goes on, and he's like, oh, man, this is... Yeah, this this is this is bad. I pr- I probably have broken the law. Um, well, I was and, gonna say, do you uh, think that ever happened? I don't think that happened until like recently. I don't yes, even know. It took right. him forever to catch up. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that first realization came, you know, a month or two ago, and then he decided, all right, well, I'm gonna do my best to straddle the line and, you know, minimize my role and I'm not going to piss off the president and right. And then he gave deliberately misleading testimony. And then when that was contradicted by those around him, because of course it was, he was forced to come in and go, no, uh, okay. I've now made my, my choice and, um, and, and I'm not going to continue to risk, a future additional future criminal prosecutions by perjuring myself or obstructing justice. Well, I'm I'm going to come clean. Um, but, but he hasn't yet come to the Michael Cohen part. Go ahead. I'm well, sorry. I don't know that there's more though, because one thing you hear him say repeatedly, and this, you know, is more evidence for your thesis about him being in over his head is, well, I'm not really a note taker. You know, I just thought I'd go do this a bunch of official government foreign policy stuff. And I bet writing, I don't want to, you know, so uh, I don't know if somebody said I said something then I probably said it or Trump said something, whatever. Maybe um, maybe the next administration should hire people who take notes. That would be a good for your key yeah, yeah. Uh, diplomatic positions. Maybe like someone who will jot something down should be a minimum requirement because now you're trying to testify to like the most important things that are happening in America that could take down this president or whatever. Finally, uh, you know, make him face at some sort of justice. And you've got nothing because you didn't take notes. And uh, it's and, very frustrating. And as long as and I, I'll do a, a smaller sidebar on that, because I agree with you 100 percent like this is and, and I direct this to Andrew Yang and Tom Steyer, who, you know, again, are one percent in the polls. But like. <laughs> Can, can we can we exhaust and, and and I've said before like look I, I think that uh, uh, UBI is and the future of 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 a, of a roboticized economy are the kinds of things that I want on the discussion table in the Democratic Party which is the party of serious people um, so uh, all of that but can we de- finally dispense with the idea that like being good at business qualifies you for being the president right like right. let's leave us let's assume as red I, I know there's all the arguments to the contrary that Donald Trump is not very good at business but let's assume it let's assume as red that he was right like that that he is um it, you have seen him surround himself well, you, with with people like that and you've seen the like the I'm a successful business person and like what does that mean right like oh, that means that I'm the ideas guy and like I let my underlings handle the details and like you you can't run an administration with with all idea guys right like you you need people to do the actual work well instead of using an example of someone who's not a successful businessman <laughs> I appreciate what you're trying to do but what why not look at Rex Tillerson Somebody who actually was a successful businessman and went and tried to run the the Department of State uh, like a like a business, meaning he starved it and got rid of a bunch of people. Everybody hated him and hated what was happening. <laughs> this is absolutely true. Yeah. Horrible morale. Like everybody was miserable. Uh, and uh, and he he I mean, ultimately, 
I mean, I, he had to leave because of clashing with Trump, which I don't, I don't know what that says for this thesis. But either way, <laughs> he didn't do a good job and you don't need a businessman to go. I mean, it's possible that you could combine those skills, but uh, but I agree with you. But yeah, um, I don't I'm not much of a note taker, never have been. But if I ever am appointed a diplomat, I'll go ahead and I'll take some notes. I'll, I'll go, I'm going to make that agreement with you. I'll I'll, uh, I'll jot some stuff down. I couldn't say it any better than that, so I won't. Um, I I do want to uh, pause briefly on, and again, um, official Andrew prediction, maybe by next week, uh, certainly by the time that there is an actual impeachment hearing in the Senate, uh, the Republicans will shift their line of defense to the president lacked corrupt intent in doing what he was doing. Um, that's the only thing they have left. So what would that uh, look like if it were true? Like if so, it weren't BS, how does that yeah, look? Um, the, the what that would look like is if you ask a foreign if if the if if the president of the United States had asked a foreign leader to do a thing that was in the interests of the United States, but also benefited him personally, um, hmm. that's not a crime. That's not bribery. So a really obvious example of that, right? Like, um, get, look back to uh, what what we know, right? what we document from history happened, which was that the uh, Ronald Reagan campaign in 1980 oh, yeah. reached out to uh, Iran and negotiated a deal to release the American hostages. Um, there is no doubt in my mind, I mean, like literally, uh, you know, I, I was a very, very young child, uh, but my first recollection, like super hazy, of stuff on TV was that there was a counter in the right-hand corner and that, like, the news my parents watched would begin every night with, you know, this is day number 135 that American hostages are being held. Like, you can only imagine that kind of drumbeat, mm-hmm. right? Like, And, and so the uh, this was something that, 100 percent contributed to getting Ronald Reagan elected. Um, It 100 percent boosted Reagan as president when the hostages were released. Um, But nobody would say that that counts as bribery because he didn't corruptly do that. Right. He was probably cognizant of the fact that getting Americans released from a hostile foreign power would uh, would would benefit him. Um, But. Yeah, but it's not as though it's still the a valid hostage thing to do. getting released is going to be like, wait, 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 wait. Were you doing this for you or is this more for me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, before exactly. I get on this plane. <laughs> right. And that's why. Right. Like, And so we, we've shifted from from last week when, when we were telling you that, you know, the if there was a legitimate investigation into corruption in Ukraine. Right. To why Sondland's testimony was so critical, because the announcement of that investigation cannot possibly be in anyone's yeah. interest other than the president of the United States. Right. Like, because if you're actually going to investigate corruption, you you do so without the press conference. Right. Like to, to, to let the people know. Right. Like, you know, you know, you want to conduct an investigation. You don't say like, hey, we're about to investigate X person. Right? Like, you, you know, you you gather the data first. Right. Like, that's why. 
you know, we have law enforcement techniques, right, of, you know, wiretapping and, and getting search warrant, like uh, letting people know, hey, we're about to investigate you is, hey, if you've got something you need that needs shredding, now's a real good time to do it. <laughs> um, so uh, so, yeah, it, it that that's. But but nevertheless, like that's how that that's the only argument they're going to be able to to muster. And they're going to take every form that that possibly can to say like, well, you know, yes, there was this. Yes, there was a quid pro quo. Uh, but, you know, he didn't do it corruptly. He did it, you know, naively. He did it uh, in te- and and it's going to be nonsense, but it's going to be a different kind of nonsense than what we saw the past couple of days, and and I just want to emphasize, right, because I want OA listeners to be able to pat themselves on the on the back. Um, prior to the evening session, you heard Devin Nunes repeat the debunked conspiracy theory about the whistleblower complaint and about like the form being secretly changed to per- and and again. We we debunked this in episode 320. I have linked, we'll continue to link in the show notes, the link to the document that demonstrates no, it was not changed. Um, this is easily provable as a lie. And the fact that, you know, they're they're throwing this kind of crap up there really shows the the desperation. Um, John Ratcliffe uh, advanced a new a, a couple of new ones um, uh, to, to me that were sort of quickly smacked down uh he he went on the 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 democrats have shifted from quid pro quo to bribery which which we've talked about uh, which is fun because you know quid pro quo was two-thirds of the elements of bribery but then he he said i don't know if you saw this one he said not one witness who has testified yeah. has used the word bribery yep. Because um, that's what you require from a witness is to cite the law. The st- and if they could give a legal citing to as to which, you know, where in the statute something was violated, the eyewitness to the crime, you know, like if they see a burglary or a, a shooting, you know, makes they have to cite the law in or otherwise it's fine. Then you get away with it. <laughs> and, and And so a couple of things here, right? I, what I love is that these arguments are so bad that, you know, not only that is even there I the common do- <laughs> sense. Well, no, no, no. But not only is the common sense explanation enough for like even Uncle Clarence to be like, yeah, all right, we whiffed on that one. Um, but like the Democrats are painstakingly refuting even these terrible arguments with actual citation to actual law. So you then heard Adam Schiff say. You don't ask fact witnesses to give legal (laughs) conclusions. Right. Which is which is something that every lawyer knows. Right. And and in fact, then uh, I forget who asked, but like somebody asked Sondland, hey, do you think this is bribery? And he said, look, like I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to characterize this one way or the other, which got on the record sort of exactly the point. Um, I. I, I want to point out to you, because it is it is crucial as we're making the case to Uncle Clarence here, uh, John Ratcliffe has a 1989 JD from Southern Methodist University Law School. That's a top 30 law school. He practiced law for 15 years. He co-founded his own law firm. He knows that he's spewing nonsense. He knows that he is lying for Donald Trump. You know, if, if Jim Jordan had said it, if, if Devin Nunes, who you know thinks you can sue an internet cow, had said it, then maybe you'd be like, okay, well, they, they just say whatever comes into their head. And, uh, you know, Ratcliffe 
absolutely 100% knew that that was something he would get laughed out of a first-year law school class for saying, and he said it anyway. And Uncle Clarence, I know you're listening. Ask yourself why these people are doing this, right? Does anyone have any uncles that are in the Senate, though? Because that's the uncles that we need is Senate Republican (laughs) uncles. Well, you know, get them to listen to the show. Um, I want to I want to add one more fact piece. This came from Volker's. We we spent a lot of time on Sondland. Sondland is going to testify, will be a star witness at the uh, at the impeachment trial in the Senate. Volker, we we now have Volker's text messages and half an hour before the July 25th phone call. That is the subject of this entire thing that, you know, triggered the whistleblower complaint. Um, Volker sent this text to Andre Yermak, right, one of uh, Zelensky's uh, uh, high ranking uh, 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 assistants. Um, Good lunch. Thanks. Heard from White House. Assuming President Z convinces Trump he will investigate slash, quote, Get to the bottom of what happened, end quote, in 2016. We will nail down date for visit to Washington. Good luck! <laughs> Exclamation point. See you tomorrow, Kurt. Assuming um, the pro and the quid is the quid pro quo, we will quo with your quid. Pro yeah. quo. Yeah. So it, it, there were, there's multiple lines of evidence from credible witnesses that the average you know that that our uncle Clarence is going to look up and be like, okay, um, yeah, guess I got to concede on that one. So um, I, I'm I'm encouraged, and um, uh, it, it, I oh, I wanted to cover one one last thing. I'm sorry, I know we're we're running late on the segment. Um, you and I both had the conversation back and forth where Vinman gave a piece of testimony uh, which seemed to suggest that the hold being placed on Ukraine aid by OMB was legal. Um, and I have finally, uh, with the help of uh, some crowdsourcing it out in social media, um, I've gotten to the bottom of this. Oh, and, um, neat. OK, yeah, I'm very curious yeah. about this. So here's what happened. Um, Vinman testified, quote, So, following the July 18th sub-PCC, and that is a policy coordination committee, which again is what I convene at my level, there was a July 23rd PCC that would have been conducted by Mr. Morrison. That's his boss. There were questions raised as to the legality of the hold. Over the subsequent week, the issue was analyzed, and during the July 26th PCC, the deputies from all the departments and agencies, there was a legal opinion rendered that the hold was legal. End of quote. Um, and, and, and let me just say that, that that's perfectly consistent with what we've said, which is that there are legal means whereby the OMB can review, uh, disbursements before apportionment. Um, we, we talked about that in, uh, preceding episodes, um, the, the standard is 2 U.S.C. section 683A. It was not followed here, um, but this but at the time, you could have argued, oh, hey, like, yeah, we're reviewing because if there's a problem, we're going to announce to Congress that we're withholding some or all of the aid because it doesn't meet the criteria that are set forth in the statute. Um, that 
Congress was never notified. There was never that determination. But this was a, a week in, right? And so a week in, it's perfectly reasonable. You could imagine yeah. the agencies going, yeah, well, we're just doing the factual investigation. By the time of the complaint, that excuse no longer washes, right? So um, so that's how you square and, Well, and just to just testimony. ask this question, I mean, okay, so it sounds like there could be a standard process where OMB might want to withhold something. But does that, is it okay for that to be like, hey, the president's just telling me to not do this? No. no. Right. Absolutely so an not. Official yeah. process. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So I wonder um, if merely, like, how serious would this be? Like, if, if this, if this, pretend this was all there is, like, is this impeachable to just be like, hey, I'm going to abuse my power and uh, bypass a process and just say, withhold this money? Yeah, it it uh, well again, the answer to is this impeachable is always yes, right? For the reasons that we've talked about. Um, but but the way I would reframe your question is, if any other president in history had merely corruptly used his powers to delay dispersing aid to a critical ally against a hostile foreign power, mm. by the way, said hostile foreign power, which. We know from our intelligence sources intervened in our election on his, yeah. on his behalf in 2016 and with whom he has been accused of colluding since the very beginning of his campaign. Would that be enough to kick <laughs> any other president out of office? Uh, yes. OK, good answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like, when you put it that way. Uh, yeah. yeah. OK, we well, we got to the bottom of that. I was very confused. I was like, wait, was this legal? Yeah. But OK, no, so, so was still, I. Yeah. Yeah. But and again, yeah. remember, even if it had been legal, right, like influencing how you do a legal thing is right. still mm -hmm. bribery, right? Like, and that's the Blagojevich rule, right? Um, remember, Rod Blagojevich got to appoint Bobby Rush to the Senate, um, that, that, you know, got, <laughs> even after the investigation, right? Like, that was a legal use of his mm -hmm. power. What's not a legal use of his power is demanding people give you things of value in exchange for you doing that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, Seems pretty to straightforward to me, Mr. Torres. Me too. So there we go. So that's we're yodeled. We've yodeled. We've yodeled. I it it I I am, you know. I feel like we've been close to the apex of Yodel Mountain a lot, and yeah. <laughs> um, and and I feel like we're close to the apex of Yodel Mountain. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Opening arguments is brought to you by Mac Weldon. All right. Here's the thing. Mac Weldon is probably better than what you're wearing right now. They are a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. You know, for the longest time, I put no effort into what I wore or what I looked like. And as a consequence, every single picture from the past is embarrassing. Don't be like me. Put more effort in. Mack Weldon is the smart design premium fabric clothing that will help you with that. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, or sweatpants that you will ever wear. And they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you just keep it and they'll still refund you. And I think that's probably because they don't want your underwear back. But either way, that's a good idea. You don't have to send it back. And if you're not comfortable, they'll, they'll refund you for it. No questions asked. I have a shirt and a sweatshirt from Mack Weldon that I absolutely love. I'm going on uh, a year now, back to the cold weather time, so I get to wear the the sweatshirt again. That's again, I'm in California, so it's kind of a it's kind of a rare time that I wear a sweatshirt. But when I do, I've got my Mack Weldon sweatshirt, which I love. If you would like to wear clothes that are honestly, again, just probably better than what you're stuck with right now, go to 
MacWeldon.com and enter promo code LAWPOD. You get 20% off your first order if you go to MacWeldon.com and use our promo code LAWPOD. And by the way, the holidays are coming up. If you need to buy a gift for somebody, this could also be a great place. MacWeldon.com, promo code LAWPOD for 20% off. Go check it out today. Down. 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 Okay, and we uh, have just enough time for a quick C-segment on the Mazars ruling. Oh, yeah, I saw I saw some speculation that, you know, this could mean the Supreme Court is going to protect Trump uh, for tax returns. What's going on there? Yeah, um, so we discussed last week that uh, Donald Trump has lost in Trump versus Mazars. He lost at the D.C. Circuit. He lost on his uh, petition to have... Uh, an en banc review by the entire D.C. Circuit and now is appealing to the Supreme Court, all like we told you. A ruling came down Friday evening that temporarily uh, placed a hold on the issuance of the mandate by the D.C. Circuit. And there's been lots of really, really bad reporting about this. So I, I just want to clarify um, the mandate. Right. Just it's the same root word. That is the court telling the parties what to do right that has the legal force of law so when when an opinion comes out typically it will say the mandate to follow right so the so the court will say hey this is what the law is and then we're going to tell the parties exactly what's going to happen uh, and then they legally have to do it when we issue the mandate and so that mandate was due yesterday uh, November the 20th and would have then compelled Mazars to turn over Trump's uh, tax returns to uh, the House investigatory committees. And what the Supreme Court did was put in an administrative hold that goes to 3 p.m. today. So, you know, as we're in the middle of recording this and that just prevents the mandate from issuing to preserve the right for them to to rule on certiorari, right? Because if they didn't stay the mandate, then it would moot any potential appeal, right? Because the document would be turned over. So the Supreme Court could be like, well, we're going to tell you if you had to do that thing that you've already done. And so it, it is it is not surprising that they entered the stay. What Trump has asked for is a stay, quote, pending the filing and disposition of the petition for certiorari. And I have seen reports. Again, I'm not going to be able to comment here as to whether uh, the House Intelligence Committee files a uh, an opposition to that. I've seen reports that they won't even file an opposition to it. And I wouldn't if I were their lawyer. Right. Uh, it, it's it's a it, it in no way indicates that they've prejudged the case. It in no way indicates that they're going to grant cert or that they're going to rule in Trump's favor. It just means that that remains a live question. And if they didn't issue that stay, then Mazars would have started turning over documents and that would render any potential appeal to the Supreme Court moot. I, I, I still think it's probably slightly more likely than not that the Supreme Court does grant cert. But I think there's a large, you know, there's a big sheaf of probabilities in which they don't. Right. Like, I think there's a that it is a plausible outcome uh, that that they deny cert. So um, so we'll, well see. But OK, sure. But shouldn't it be a slam dunk that they deny Sir, I mean, isn't this a yeah? It should be. I case? I get it. I mean, I, 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 
<laughs> um, it should be when you don't have a court filled with four conservative judicial activists who literally care about nothing else. Well, but and, we've uh, talked about this. Like this is yeah. this is purely there's no conservative ideal at stake, right? Isn't this purely yep. Trump? It is purely cert- to benefit servitude. Donald Trump. Yeah. And granting and when you read the cert petition, and I will link it in the show notes, typically the way in which you petition for cert is you say that it it represents an unsettled question of law or one in which there is a dispute among the circuits. Um, the best, and again, remember that the president's lead counsel on drafting these things is Jay Sekulow, who is uh, dumber than a box of hammers. And so so they're always entertaining reads. But uh, but the best that Trump can do in, uh, in, in his, uh, and we haven't seen the cert petition, but we saw the petition for a stay is to argue that this is unprecedented and important. Um, that's true. Uh, but uh, those are not the criteria that the Supreme Court typically uses in determining whether to grant cert. So um, so we'll see um, that this Supreme Court has bailed out Trump on a lot of things. So I'm, I'm not willing to, you know, go all in and say they're definitely going to deny because remember, Granting cert only requires four votes. If it required five, uh, I think I would feel very confident to say they wouldn't um, because I I think John Roberts does not want to touch this. Um, I think what's going to happen behind the scenes is how effective is John Roberts at telling Brett Kavanaugh uh, don't vote for cert in this case? Um, That's right. That's where the that's where the battle is being fought right now is uh, in the, the, the cloakroom uh, at the Supreme Court building where uh, John Roberts is, is pulling aside Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas and going, hey, um, you may love that uh, the commander-in-chief is sticking it to those damn Democrats, but um, this is going to go way worse for all of us in the long run if you guys vote for cert. In well, this case. wait, it'll go way How will it go worse for all of them? Um, it will go worse for nope. the Supreme Court in, no in John Roberts' view. for anything. Yeah, well. <laughs> I say that, but, you know, I was kind of optimistic about this, not because I think, the you know, the conservatives on the Supreme Court are great, but because I think that there's just not really anything in it for them. Even though they're the hackiest of hacks, you know, maybe you'd get two or three votes for cert. But somebody like Gorsuch, you know, I, I actually wouldn't think he'd feel particularly compelled to protect Trump's tax returns. There's nothing anyone can do to take him out of his uh, spot. Believe me, I've, I've yep. tried to think of everything. <laughs> so, like, yeah. why would he care? I, it's weird. Well, and and that's and that's what I mean is that it, the the if if you're Roberts, the argument to them is look is the institutional argument, right? The the look. Our reputation has taken a beating, and if we intervene to protect Trump on thin legal grounds, um, that's going to diminish it even further. And if you'd like to be part of uh, a thousand stories about the independence of the Supreme Court and how, you know, we're not just Trump judges out here, then vote with me. Right. Um and look, he's going to be able to prove that to them by showing all of the ridiculous fluff pieces that get written about John Roberts every time he doesn't vote in the most hackiest way possible. Um, 
I've ranted at great length about how irresponsible journalism those pieces are. But um, but look, like, you know, his his argument isn't wrong that uh, that if the Supreme Court refuses to take up this case, uh, there will be articles in, you know, liberal newspapers the next day about the independence of the Supreme Court. So um, that that's that's what I mean by the stakes. Obviously, there are no personal stakes for any of them either way. All right. Well, uh, it is time to thank our new patrons. First timer Friday over at patreon.com slash law. And uh, I think it's your turn, Andrew. All right. Thank you to Andrew Davies, Alex Elkins, Jen Heck, Augusta Walter, Adam Hendry, Daniel Stuckey, Logan Murphy, Axel Gigerich. That Definitely sounds like a, uh, a heavy metal frontman. Uh, so good, good work, Axel Gigerich. Uh Andrew Mayhall, Jason Cart, and I don't watch any news. Yeah, we finally right, got well, the singer from Rammstein to. Yeah, play. I was also <laughs> nice. saying uh, the last name Heck is super cool. I that'd be that'd be fun. Ah, Heck. Hey, Heck. That, that's a great last name. That could that's like a detectivey show last name too i think uh and it, the the name of the show would just be heck you know don't you think <laughs> oh that would be great coming up it next on lot awful movies be, <laughs> yeah set in 1974 right like uh again one of those retro shows it'll be like don't miss heck the tagline will be there'll be heck to pay <laughs> obviously something like that i already wrote a better show than uh nbc's uh Bluff City Law. All right. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> and my turn. Marty Schaefer, Shannon Klackowitz, my unpopular opinion, Epstein probably killed himself. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. Graham Thiessen, Evan Gott, Eric Bourne, Stark, James Ryan, John C., Kurt Montan- Montandon, and Andrew Grippentrog. Oh, that must be the, the drummer for Epstein. Gripping try. <laughs> no, uh, all right. Thank you, new patrons uh, and metal band members who pledged us a detective show stars. Uh, and now it is time for T3BE, which somehow stands for Thomas uh, analyzes the question perfectly and still gets it wrong. Oh, no associate of this firm has ever failed the bar exam. Talk to the hand. I need your clothes. That's one of my mission parameters. Trust me. I know now why you cry. Yeah, that would that would be a long run. And this is an important milestone because we are beginning uh, a new set of bar questions. So uh, so I'm yeah. excited. Just ripping through these uh, test prep materials. Going to be a lawyer in no time. <laughs> All right, Thomas. A homeowner was oh. using a six foot step ladder to clean the furnace in his home. The homeowner broke his arm when he slipped and fell from the ladder. The furnace had no warnings or instructions on how it was to be cleaned. In a suit by the homeowner against the manufacturer of the furnace to recover for his injury, is the homeowner likely to prevail? Gosh, I hope not. (laughs) A, no, because the danger of falling from a ladder is obvious. B, no, because the homeowner should have hired a professional to clean the furnace. C, Yes, because the furnace did not have a ladder attached to it for cleaning purposes. <laughs> or D, yes, because the lack of warnings or instructions for how to clean the furnace made the furnace defective. All right. This is either going to be a trick question or this uh, this is on easy mode or something. Because I, I, I feel like A, no, because the danger of falling from the ladder is obvious, is like the only answer that's even close. 
but I this is a new set of questions. Are they? Who knows? Who knows if they're trying to mess with me? Um, yeah, I mean, this seems straightforward to me. I, I, I mean, I really wouldn't think the homeowner should prevail for falling from a six foot lat. It's not even a tall ladder. That's a, a six foot step ladder. No warnings or instructions on how it was to be cleaned. I. I don't know. I mean, I guess the only so a no because the danger of falling from a ladder is obvious is is my obvious answer. Uh, B no because the homeowner should have hired a professional seems terrible. I don't think the law would say you have to hire someone to clean your furnace. C yes because the furnace did not have a ladder attached to it for cleaning purposes. Look, I, here's another thing: we don't really have furnaces on the West Coast. What what is a furnace? Is that like a I mean, I guess maybe we do, but we don't ever need heat. Like in California, there's nothing, it's almost never heat. There's like two days out of the year where, is that a heat making thing? I yes, think? it's okay. a heat making thing for thing. the house. I always people, hear people talking about a furnace. I'm like, I don't, I've never seen a furnace. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I have seen a stepladder. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't think a furnace would have to have a ladder attached to it, but maybe this is going to be some uh, New England thing where like, ah, yeah, of course, you, you chow ahead. Of course, it's got to have the, Ladder attached to the furnace or something. Uh, but D, yes, because... That was a, that was a respectable Boston <laughs> accent there. D, yes, because the lack of warnings or instructions for how to clean the furnace made the furnace effective. That's the only other answer that seems even close to probable. So I'll say either A or D. D is possible. I mean, uh, I think it's A, though. I'm going with A. This is stupid. Everyone knows falling from a ladder is obvious. And furthermore, if... That was something that you need a warning about. I think the ladder company would be like there should be the, you know, the sticker that's like, hey, the top step is not a step, even though it's definitely a step. And I always use it. That kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) Do not take ladder advice from a podcast. (laughs) Definitely take ladder advice from a podcast. Uh, Yeah, I'm going with A. All right. And if you want to play along with Thomas, you know how to do that. Just share out this episode on social media. Include the hashtag T3BE. Include your guess, your reasons. Therefore, we will pick a winner and shower that person with never-ending fame and fortune. Fame and fortune, not guaranteed. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, wow. If, good luck to everybody watching all this testimony to that's just testifying to a fact that's instantly, we already know it all, but we have to watch hours and hours and hours about it anyway. But uh, if you're like Andrew, you love that kind of thing, and you're having the time of your life. <laughs> the only complaint would be, needs more documents. But, uh, yeah, but that's yeah, Andrew. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. You betray the law! This has been Opening Arguments with Andrew and Thomas. If you love the show and want to support future episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com law. If you can't support us financially, it'd be a big help if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast delivery vehicle you use. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. For questions, suggestions, and complaints, email us at openarguments at gmail.com. The show notes and links are on our website at www.openargs.com. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OpenArgs. Until next time. Podcast is a production of Opening Arguments Media LLC. All rights reserved.
Opening Arguments is a copyrighted production of Opening Arguments Media, LLC, all rights reserved. Opening Arguments is produced with the assistance of our editor, Brian Ziegenhagen, our transcriptionist, Heather Leverage, production assistant, Ashley Smith, and with the generous assistance of our volunteer, unofficial researcher, Deborah Smith. Special thanks to Teresa Gomez, who runs our merch and our live shows, and also heads up the OA Wiki Project. Follow them at, at OA Wiki. And a big thank you to our Facebook group moderators, Emily Waters, Alicia Cook, Eric Brewer, Natalie Newell, Brian, and Teresa. Check out the Opening Arguments community on Facebook. And finally, thanks to Thomas Smith for creating the fabulous OA theme song, which is used with permission. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.